0: This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Jamie Dickens. Jamie Dickens is the lead pastor of East Cobb Church in Marietta, Georgia. East Cup Church is part of North Point Ministries, which is a group of churches led by Pastor Andy Stanley. I met Jamie Dickens two and a half years ago because he started a church in my neighborhood. And I was so excited that we were getting an Andy Stanley church in our community. And then I got to know Jamie and realized, oh, wow, we get this fabulous pastor. It was like this huge (laughs) bonus. So Jamie was kind enough to agree to join us on the Pivotal People podcast because he is a pivotal person in lots of people's lives and going forward in thousands of people's lives, I'm quite sure. So Hello, Jamie, welcome. I'm honored to be here. <laughs> and well, let's just start with you telling us about yourself. Like, you know, what's your background on ministry? Tell us about yeah. yourself so people will know why he's the best pastor I've had.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I'm lucky to have be a part of the same church family as you, Stephanie, that's for sure, you and Dave. Well, background, I, uh, out of college, A had decided or I had sensed from God that he was inviting me to tell people about Jesus, like with my life. I was headed a different direction, which is probably another story for another time, but there were a series of circumstances for which I'm really grateful God redirected my life. I was on the way to law school and here I am. So, um, wow. (laughs) But out of college, I was a missionary for about three years in a little country called Moldova, which is actually on the border of Ukraine, um, which is Mm. what we're all paying attention to now. And so I planted a church there. I was involved in fighting sex trafficking there for that, that time. And that was a big part of my story. And, uh, somewhat randomly, it was from Moldova that I got connected with this church in Atlanta, which is where I grew up but not at this church. I'd never been to it. I, I mean, barely knew much about it. I'd, I'd read a book by Andy Stanley. I've watched, I'd have watched. i watched some sermon series. I actually had read two books by Andy Stanley, but I got connected with this church in Atlanta, North Point Community Church, and had been reading about how they were doing church and what their mission was. And so we planted a similar church, like doing the same kind of principles in Moldova. And uh, that's how we got connected. We met um, these guys that were part of the missions arm of what is now our family of churches. It's called Global X. And we met them at a conference here in Atlanta, North Point's annual conference called Drive. And they were interested in hearing about what we were doing. And one thing led to another, and we became a strategic partner. And so there was, you know, some years where I was just experiencing North Point from across the ocean, you know, and and trying to plan a church while looking at what, what North Point was doing. And so when the time came to an end, I returned to Atlanta and I just reached out to who I knew and said, Hey, I'm back and looking for what's next and what God wants me to do next. What do you, do you have any ways that I can help or get involved? And I was an intern at first and in our student ministry. And then one thing led to another. And for 10 years or more, I was a student pastor at, at our Buckhead location.
0: At the Buckhead location. Okay. At
1: Buckhead Church. And so I uh, met my wife during that time, got married, had kids. And and then through a series of uh, really amazing circumstances, I was invited to be a part of a, a church plant in East Cobb called East Cobb Church. And that's where I met you. And
0: he's being humble. But Andy Stanley's ministry, I think there are eight, is it eight or ten locations here in the Atlanta? Eight. And so eight large campuses. So you were really taken under his wing. I mean, to be hired by Andy Stanley and to be made an intern and to be given the responsibility of the student ministry at one of the largest locations is really quite an opportunity. So for you, you know, just coming here—here you had been going to law school and then you decided to take a different direction. You've been overseas for a few years. For Andy Stanley to say, "Yeah, be part of our ministry," and it. From everything I can see, you totally jumped into it. You were at this vibrant church. And then for people who don't know, our community is this large community with lots and lots of mega churches already. So for, you know, a big ministry to say, we're going to put a new location, a new church in this community. The question might be why, why? And I'm going to fast forward and say this year, I went to the Easter service. Of this new church plant, this little church plant, and it was at a public park. I don't think we had any idea how many people might come. It was Easter Sunday morning. There were lots Mm -hmm. and lots of places to go. And there were 1600
1: people at this service. Is that number right? Is that close? That's right.
0: It's closer oh my to gosh. 1,700,
1: actually. It was we were we were blown it, away. I mean, you
0: know what? It was amazing, it was beautiful. So I've been so excited from the very beginning of this because I've gone to an Andy Stanley church for many years and we drive 30 minutes to get there. And when I found out that there was going to be an Andy Stanley church right here in town. I was so excited. I went to the introduction meeting and here is this Jamie Dickens, who is this young, energetic, really smart guy speaking to just an informational meeting. There were 500 of us at the informational meeting. And Jamie asked the question, you know, who wants to be on a charter member, text your number to this number or whatever. I'm old, so I can't explain all that. Anyway, he had just a little After that, just a little meeting for volunteers, people who might want to volunteer. There are about 40 people at the meeting. I am used to going to mega churches where thousands of people are there. And you're lucky if you even pass the pastor in the parking lot. Jamie looked out of this group of people and he said, we want to get to know you. We want this to be a personal church. If you have time for coffee or lunch or dinner, let me know because I want to get to know you. And I went home and I said to my husband, you're not going to believe this, but we are going to have the Mm -hmm. pastor for dinner. He will come to dinner. So this was two years ago. Jamie and his beautiful, wonderful wife, Sarah, came to dinner. This church is so neat because it has been personal from the very beginning. Uh, now we have you know hundreds of people at a service. Jamie is so connected to people personally. And I look at him and I think, okay, that is how we're supposed to be. Jesus was available. That was the big thing with Jesus. He had crowds around him, but he stopped. Right and talk to people. And Jamie, when I watch you, I see you working so hard to be available. And, yeah. you know, that's intentional. I mean, can you talk about that? That has to be difficult with so many
1: people, but it seems as if. well. Yeah. A- Thanks for saying that. Cause that has been a really big goal from the very beginning. You mentioned, we come from a mega church in, in a family of very large churches in the Atlanta area. And which is wonderful. Cause it means that a lot of people's lives are being transformed and right. impacted in some way so like very grateful for that of course but from the beginning we've said in in this community and what we think this community needs is um, we don't we only need to just plan another mega church we want to plan a local church like we want to plan a place where you come and you're part of a church family and you're known we know who you are and that yeah that, that we are accessible and and so to hear you say that that was your experience is that's so gratifying because that is who we want to be like you said Jesus was uh, available I want to be a local expression of the body of Christ as much as possible and that means that I'm local I mean we're, we live right down the street from where our, our future home is going to be you know I'm sure we'll talk about that eventually we're building a building uh, our tagline is love where you live first and foremost because that's Jesus great command to love as I have loved you and 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 by this everyone's going to know that you're my followers you're my disciples by how you love one another so we want to love where we live but we also love. Living where we live, you know, we actually love East Cobb and Cobb County and the wonderful people that are around here, and just really are thrilled to be a part of it. So, like that local piece of it is is so important. I just I think that's how you contextualize Jesus's mission is to go live in a place and go love it really well, and just like he told us to. So
0: right, so it's yeah.
1: my goal. I mean, to just meet every person that comes through the doors and try to memorize as many names as I can as quickly as I can, and all that. But.
0: And making people feel welcome because Bob, you know, I love Bob Goff and we've talked about Bob Goff. He has a phrase I love, which is it's noble to go across the world to help people, but it's obedient to go across the street. So, you know, right here in our local community, we can love where we live. And it's it's you have already first of all, just for background, this church doesn't even have a building yet. It takes years to build a building. We meet at a rented church, and for the most part, when we have meetings, we're meeting people's homes, we're meeting at the park, and people are coming. So, one of the things that I think is really interesting is Jamie. You probably you had this nice 10-year career at Buckhead Church as the youth pastor. Then Andy Stanley taps you to start a new church. I mean, this is huge. This is, and you you start this new church, and you finally start the service. And six weeks into starting you, your new church, boom, <laughs> COVID happens. That's right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the greatest plans. Okay, God. Now we're back to trust. Six weeks in, but what? A, one of the unique things about North Point Ministries is all of their churches are already wired for online services. Always have been. That's right. So when COVID happened, it really didn't miss a beat. We still had online services. You even did online. Children's programs. However, I remember talking to you, what happened to, to the numbers? You actually grew the number of people. Yeah, who were well,
1: it, it was insane. I mean, again, just, I, I don't feel like I deserve to, you've mentioned an Andy trusting me with any of the stuff I've gotten to do. I can't believe that it's even happened. So I can't believe I get to be a part of it. I don't know that I'm worthy, but I'll sure I'll sure take it It's a dream job for me. But beyond that, it's also just like, What God continues to do is, um, it's remarkable. And it's not because of me. I I mean, it's not because, oh, I'm so great. It's like God's up to something. I'm lucky enough to be a part of it and to watch things like during the pandemic. I mean, obviously our in-person meeting went away and it went away for the rest of the year. Like some churches opened immediately back up. We didn't, we had a very intentional online strategy in place that we were doing because 80% of our audience, even we knew from looking at the rest of the nation that that they even churches that were opening up, we're only seeing 20, 30% come back. And we only have so many resources. So we were going to put those towards our biggest audience. And so we just went all in with the online thing. And so that all went away, the in-person stuff, but then to watch the engagement continue to go up and, and even our giving to by the time the pandemic was done, our giving was higher than it was when we started. And I'm just like, okay, God, like, you know, that's not, that's not a man-made thing. I didn't do that. I didn't lead that well. I mean, no way. I, I like to think we did some good things, but no, I can't, that doesn't explain that. That's just the Holy Spirit of God moving in people and mm-hmm. building his church. And so mm-hmm. that was, um, that was really extraordinary to see. And, and obviously coming out of the pandemic, like how proud am I of our people, like our church family? I'm like, you guys are rock stars. I mean, just like the best the most elite church family I could ever have to, to see what our people did during the pandemic, not just giving to the church. Like, yeah, that was, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how people were continued to be generous, but I mean, put that aside. That was that we're not here just to get money. We're here to go make a difference and love our community and how our people did that when it would have been so easy just to turn inward and check out and kind of circle the wagons and let's hunker down for a season. No, our our, our people, it was like every opportunity that there was to give, or to help, or to cheer on teachers, or to, I mean, it, you name it. Our oh, I remember, no, there was um, leading the taking
0: way. meals to the church and to the uh, hospital crews. I remember yep. food drives. I remember food at the uh, schools. I can remember, and you know, what was neat is when a central organization, whether it's a church or school, it doesn't matter when you decide to help the community and it brings people together. So when the mm-hmm. feeling that you get, when you're just taking your food to a food drive and everyone's there taking the food to the food drive, I mean, that is. Like that drive through we to... did at
1: the local Chick-fil-A where people were just driving by. And I mean, the, yes. we had to rent. We couldn't haul the food. It was so much, you know, we ran out of space. We were like, oh my goodness, we didn't, we are not ready. <laughs> we it weren't was... ready for how generous the people we were going to be. It's incredible.
0: And it shows a real need. I think that's a real need for people, especially there will be books written. Obviously we learned a lot through the whole COVID thing, but I think Mm -hmm. one of the things we learned was that we really do need each other. And so even when we were only seeing each other because we were dropping the food off, there was just a feeling of, I just will only describe it as love. It just felt like Mm -hmm. love to me. And that's really people, you know, there are people who don't want to go to church and maybe they have a Negative feeling. That's another thing I want to talk about with the model of the church we're talking about here. The model of North Point Church. People might not be familiar with it. It's kind of like church for people who might have had a bad experience with other church. They don't want to go to church. They don't feel comfortable at church for whatever reason. My gosh, but for some reason there is a, I, I, you know, Jamie, I don't know how else to say it, but just a feeling of grace and acceptance and belonging that I get when I walk into a North Point church. And I have gone to a lot of wonderful churches. And I'm not saying that churches aren't wonderful, but I can, I can tell you that when my sons go to a service, my sons in their 20s, they always come out saying, I understood that. But yes, we have great music. It's like a rock concert, but it's not the music. It is the communication style and perhaps the people. So, you know, Jamie is an excellent communicator. Andy Stanley is an excellent communicator. They take complicated Mm -hmm. theology and they make it simple and they apply it to real life. People might say, oh, it's watered down gospel. No, it is not watered down. It is communicated effectively. It is not watered down at all. So I can say lots of people will agree with this. When you put something online, we share it with family and friends in other parts of the country. And I can remember a sermon that you did, a sermon series you did. I would like to talk about it. And I I didn't know if we would have time, but we do have time. I think it was called Who is God? And okay, yeah, so this uh, is. Uh-huh. I am actually coming out with a book. There is a chapter of the book about the sermon series you're about to hear. I'm going to let you hear it ahead of time, but it is probably the best sermon to explain why people might get hung up on not coming to God. Okay. So and in an, in a thumbnail sketch. Could you give us an overview of the message of that? Oh,
1: absolutely. So this particular message is centered around a question or a statement that A.W. Tozer said a long time ago. And and he was talking, he wrote that what you think about when you think about God, it might be the most important thing about you. And his thinking, and this is where I jumped off of, uh, is asking this question at the beginning of the message was, one, what do you think about when you think about God? Because we know that what you think about when you think about something, it impacts everything. It impacts how you feel about it. And then when it comes to a person, what you think about when you think about them determines the kind of relationship you have with them, how close you feel to them, and so on and so forth. And, you know, we can use a lot of silly examples of other things where what you think, if you have a, a memory or an association with something that's negative, uh, man, it can certainly impact your relationship to that thing or to that person. Well, I mean, it's, it's no different. With God, really, and I, I, you know, I think a great question everybody should ask themselves is, what do you think about when you think about God? Like, what image comes to mind? And the thing you will find, if you're someone like you know in my position and you talk to people about God a lot, one of the things that you'll find is that that we have a lot of things in common that we assume about God. And, and meaning, if you could go see, like, look into somebody's brain about what they think about when they think about God, what picture comes to mind? They may not be all that different you know we went through some of these in the sermon like we might all some of us think about god like what we think about when we think about god is something sort of like a referee you know some guy up in the sky has got a list of rules and he's throwing penalty flags you know yeah or like a you know a siri like a ding god here's what i need Ding. god here's my problem and god'll get it and clean up the mess or whatever and that's kind of what you think about god others of us I went through some other things like a cloud or an old man or something that's old and boring or cloud. That's really distant. Like not that we'd literally think God's a cloud, but that captures, you know, i was going through these things and people are going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's what I was, that's what I thought about God growing up. That's how I was taught about God when I was a teenager, you know, and we're Just all in connected. there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the point is that if, if that's what you think about, when you think about God, like any of those things. And I went through several. It's like, well, no wonder, no wonder you don't feel so close to him. Maybe, no wonder you, you feel a little bored, in, you know, in your relationship with no wonder you're not that interested in finding out more about him. Cause I wouldn't either, if that's what I thought about when I thought about God. And so we just went straight to this real pivotal moment when Jesus unveiled what actually in his time was a very revolutionary idea of who God is you know, one not many people, and certainly other religions, didn't think that you could think about when you thought about God? Certainly, much less call him. And it's found in the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you look right in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, and there's a direct address that He tells us to make to God, and He says, "Our Father." And that's the revolutionary idea that the, the the center of who God is to you, and who He's trying to be to you and to me, it's Father. That more so than any other idea, if what you think about when you think about God doesn't sound like, feel like, and your experience of him, isn't like a father, then probably what you're thinking about when you think about God is wrong. It's off. And that's an important thing. And I, and I was inviting people to, Hey, do you want to trade <laughs> what you think about when you think about God for a father? Cause Jesus says, you can, Jesus says, that's actually who he is. Despite all the other ideas that might be out there, all the assumptions you might've made good news. You know, Jesus was all about good news, good news. Here's who God really is. He's a heavenly father. And we talked about the fact that he loves you. He's with you and he's for you. That's what fathers do. Good fathers. Maybe not Good your fathers. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not an imperfect or even dysfunctional earthly father. We've seen plenty of those. God's not like that. He's like a perfect heavenly father and a perfect father. is is He loves you. And like, no matter what, you know, loves you just ride or die. He's with you wherever you go. Like think Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to hear why fear because you're with me. You walk with me. And then he's for you. I mean, good night, God is so for you, so much so that he gave his son for you. And so that's that's the general, you know, in a minute or probably in three minutes, however long that was, that's the talk or that's the sermon. And that's been a, it's been an idea that's been so powerful in my own life that, man, it's a message that I try to tell as many people as I can.
0: Because I always think if everyone could really embrace that, if we could really believe it, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's a big idea to think that the creator of this universe knows Mm -hmm. who I am and actually cares about every detail of my life. That is a huge idea, but it is what we're told is the truth. Mm -hmm. It is what Jesus said. So can we believe that I have to sit down every single morning and be reminded by reading the Bible? I talked to a guy last week who spent 40 years from the age of 15 to 55 looking for the meaning of life. He studied Eastern religions. He did all kinds of different spiritual practices. He could not figure it out. He didn't. He was, you know, very successful in work. The world would say he was a success, but he felt empty inside and he couldn't figure it out. He met a man who was Indian, Eastern Indian, who was a great, became a great friend and he was so at peace. And he said to him, What's your secret? And the man said, I'm a Christian. How do you become a Christian? I mean, I don't get it. He said, you know, why don't you just start reading your Bible? It Hmm. could be that simple because God's talking to you. You know what, Jamie? He was 55 years old. And he said, for the first time he accepted Christ. Wow. If that's the term you want to use, he doesn't even use that term. He's like, I got to know God. I finally understood. He loves me. Yeah. And you know what? If we could just all, I mean, it's so simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. He loves me. And then doesn't that make you want to love everyone else? I mean, when you right really hold on to that, you do, mm-hmm. you want to, you can't be quiet about it. Well, that's so, the order
1: of it. It says we love because he first loved us. You know, it's not the other way around. Like we're going to, you know, love others right. and then God's going to follow behind us. No, 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 no. The reason that we love is because God's first loved us. You, we, We're just simply passing on what's been given to us. Um, and interestingly of all the attributes of God, there's only, you know, we say God is merciful. God, you know, is merciful or he's good or he's forgiving of this other. When it comes to love, um, the scriptures actually teach us that God is love. Like, like, like love isn't something that God simply does. It's something that God is. And that's a really big idea. Yeah. You know, when you say something that is, we're talking like essence here, it's not a stretch to say that love created you and me. Love has a plan for you and me because God is love. Love, the only reason we know it is because the one who made us, he actually is love. And certainly we know more about God than there's that, you know, the descent Son Jesus and we know, you know, all that is up what he's up to in the world. But just gosh, that idea that God is love, it's not just like one of 10 things that God is all about. Like, hey, and I also like loving. It's like, no, God is love. And it's from that ep- epicenter that at the center of the universe is love. That's why that we, that's why we are able to turn around and love one another. Because when you run into who God really is, man, it's like a love. So overwhelming. Like, how can you not talk about it? How could you not pass it on? How could you not like turn around and do the same? It's that good. So
0: it's that good. And, you know, the people who are listening to this, whether, you know, Bob Goff always says, you know, whether faith is important to you or not people, this is a time, Jamie, where so many people are feeling empty and, Mm -hmm. you know, mental therapists don't have an opening in their schedule. People are struggling. And I'm hoping that more of us will just turn to our Father, because as simple as it could be, it could be as simple as just opening your Bible and reading it, because God can take care of the rest.
1: Yeah, I think that's so good. And to, yeah, to somebody who's considering faith or not sure that you're really into it, especially to someone who used to be in church and maybe was turned off by it, here's the only question I would ask you. Is it possible that someone has given you an incorrect version of Jesus or Christianity. Like, for example, if the version you got growing up was that God's mad at you, or he's always up there like disappointed, or he's waiting on you to, you know, do enough things right, like go to church or this, that, or the other before he'll get involved in your life and have a plan for you. Well, you got the wrong version. Somebody, you know, shame on them, but they gave you the wrong version of Christianity. They gave you the wrong version of Jesus. And and the right version is there for you to read, which is the cool part. It's what you're saying. Like, just go open the book of, John, the gospel John. account of John, and go read his report of who Jesus was, and you will see the real version of Jesus. You'll see the correct version mm-hmm. of, of Christianity. So I I always throw that question out, like, hey, is it possible? Like, hey, I know you're, you're frustrated. You're like, yeah, I'm done with this. And that, you know, but is it possible that someone gave you the wrong version? Because the one I'm hearing you talk about, I don't think. It, I don't think that's the kind of. I don't think that's the God that even exists. I don't think that God exists either. I think the real God, yeah. the one that's actually in heaven, the one who actually made you is a little bit different than the version that somebody gave you. And that breaks my heart, which is why I feel so passionate about trying to give people maybe a a reset or a fresh start and say, Hey, hold on. There was this moment where Jesus unveiled a brand new, amazing idea of who God wants to be to us. It's our father that's new to a lot of people, but I think it changes everything.
0: It changes everything. And that is why I am so thankful. He is our pastor because I think there are so many people who could hear that very simple message and maybe it's gonna make some sense. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your ministry. Where can people find you? Where can they find all of your recorded sermons if you want to hear more from Jamie? He has yeah, fabulous sermons.
1: Well, you're kind to say that. Um
0: <laughs> is it? what's
1: the website east
0: Cob the best church. place to
1: go is eastcopchurch.org and uh, i mean you can learn all about our church and there's like a watch button and you can find all the sermons we've done there'll be many on there by our senior pastor andy stanley who's you know this long-term
0: and yesterday mentor, his wife sandra stanley did a fabulous yeah. so we will have yeah. all of the links in the show notes for the pivotal people podcast which you can find on any platform thank you so much jamie i appreciate this time with yeah. you
1: Hey, thank you. And before we sign off, I just want to say publicly on your podcast, thank you and Dave for being pivotal people because you are. And, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, I certainly don't broadcast all of your amazing generosity because I know it's a private affair, but you guys are pivotal people in this community and you're pivotal people in our church. And, um, it it, it isn't what it is today or wouldn't be what it is today without God bringing you our direction in, in so many different ways. And I'm not just talking what you contribute financially. I'm talking about who you are and the leadership you provide, the perspective you have and the energy you bring absolutely pivotal people. Well, thank you.
0: We're so so thankful to be involved. So back at you. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.